This is the Breaking Labels Podcast, and I'm Rosanna Gill. Each episode, we'll discuss labels that have confined the stories of my guests at one point or another and their journeys to thrive beyond them. Some labels are external, and others we put on ourselves as limiting beliefs. But regardless of where the label comes from, we're here to break it because we were meant for so much more. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking Labels podcast. I am your host, Rosanna Gill, and we're going to be covering the third part of an unofficial series I've been doing, talking about adverse experiences and the way they impact us in our jobs and what we need to consider when we're looking at jobs. Because as I've mentioned in the last couple episodes, we're in the midst of the great resignation where people are leaving their jobs in droves, which I am all for people going out there and doing what they want to do for themselves and questioning what they actually want in their lives. But speaking from the experience of someone who has left a job after 12 years, only to realize that some of her baggage went right along with her to the new job, I cannot be a bigger advocate for doing the work on yourself and understanding what limiting beliefs you might be have or that you might have that are holding you back from your full potential that might even prevent you from making the best choice in what your next steps will be for yourself. So that's all that to say. Before jumping into the episode, I did want to let you know about our partner for this week, which is Candid. As I speak, I am actually wearing my Candid aligners. And I did this or I, I got these aligners because I've noticed some crowding in the last few, few years with my teeth and I really wanted to fix it, but I didn't want to do braces. I looked into Avisalign and other brands and Candid just seemed like the easiest and I really loved the process. It was very easy, very upfront, very frank. Like I just really enjoyed the whole process and it was very painless and even wearing them. It's very painless, which I have used aligners from a different brand before and they were more painful. So I was very upfront in my questions. I had a lot of questions about this time around, like how do I prevent it? Are there things I can do? Different things. And then one of the big things for me, and I know this might sound almost vain or insignificant, but the fact that I can wear my aligners when I drink something besides water. Uh, your girl likes to drink a heck of a lot more than water. I am a one a day Celsius girl. That's a lie. Sometimes I'm a two a day Celsius girl, preferably their grape flavor. I love me some iced coffee and uh, don't you take away my spicy margaritas. So when you add up all these drinks that I have outside of just plain old schmain old water, there's color in all these drinks usually. And to have to take out my aligners every single time I would drink something besides water would make it very difficult to wear them for the full 22 hours a day that you need to. So I was very excited when my consultant with Candid said, no, 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 you can wear them. Now don't drink a very sugary drink and then sit in your aligners with all that sugar that's going to cause tooth decay, right? Like you would still want to go to the bathroom and like rinse out your aligners so that you don't have sugar sitting on your teeth. But nonetheless, the fact that I could drink things with color and still keep my aligners in, still stay on track was a huge plus to me. So if you use the link in the show notes, you can actually get up to $250 off your aligners 
should you decide to move forward with Candid Aligner. So I highly recommend them. If you watch any of the video clips of me recording the episodes or me doing reels, I am I can't actually think of a time when I haven't had my aligners in in the last month and a half, two months since I started wearing them. So you've seen them. You may not have realized it, but your girl's been wearing them. So check out Candid, do your research, and if you're interested, set up a consultation and let me know. I want to know who's who decides to get some aligners and do Candid with me. Um, okay, with that, let's jump into this fun, fun episode. And I say fun, fun because I hope that you're going to get some great information out of this or at least some serious food for thought because we are talking about breaking free of other people's expectations. Now, why is that important for a career move? Why is that important for life? Um, Well, hello. Have you ever done this? And maybe you haven't, but Lord knows I have done this many times, especially in the shower or in the car, where somebody asks something of you and you don't immediately say no, but you play out a whole scenario of the conversation. Like, well, If I say this, then they're going to say that. And why do they expect me to do this? And why, why you like, you work yourself into a tizzy over a conversation that has not happened, but a conversation that you assume will happen depending on how you respond to their request or their expectations. Anybody else? Is it just me? Am I the only one that has entire conversations like this? They're exhausting. And what's interesting to me is how often I have that whole conversation and then it does not go anything like that. Like I have this very negative spiral and then I actually have the conversation with the person and it doesn't happen at all. Not even remotely close to that. But it got me thinking because this actually very recently happened where I imagined there would be an issue where there was not one whatsoever. And it got me thinking like, what? where does this come from? Where does this intense concern for other people's expectations come from. So I was doing my research. If you have not listened to the last few episodes, I have been in the process of reading a few books because I'm I'm going to all the sources. Okay. So one that I'm reading currently is How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole LaPera. By the way, in the last couple episodes, I definitely mispronounced her name and put an L in there and said it was LaPerla. That is not her name. It is Nicole LaPera. And she has written an amazing book called How to Do the Work. And it is all about digging into your adverse experiences and archetypes and inner child work and all the things. And I understand for some people, they're like, I don't want to go there. All right, fine. Well, that's why you're listening to this podcast, because you get a little happy dose of it with some, maybe some humor. Maybe you won't find it funny. I don't know. But you get a dose of it in this podcast. But just know, a lot of the information I talk about in this episode and the last few have been from things that I realized while going through her book, journaling, thinking, contemplating, all the things. So one of the things that she talks about a good deal in her book is actually, well, maybe it just stood out to me, is enmeshment. So before we even talk about other people's expectations and why that can be a driving factor in anxiety, frustration, and concern, let's start with enmeshment. Now, enmeshment happens a couple ways. One of the ways is one I actually talked about in the last couple episodes where your family uh, engaged in groupthink. And what that means is 
like if you hear family say, well, we, we operate this way. We are this type of person, people, family, and we don't like that type of family. And there's very clear standards for the family. And while I think most families have standards for the way they operate as a family, sometimes the extreme can happen and the child is not allowed or empowered, I should say, to have their own thoughts outside of the group think. Like, this is how we are. This is what we believe. And it is what it is. This is also why sometimes you see like, you know, kids will go off to college and all of a sudden maybe they might have different opinions their parents. There's probably some group think happening growing up. And then the child is exposed to other things, other types of people. And when they come back, they, th- they think, you know what? All this that you were saying, I don't necessarily agree with now because I have my own perspective. I have my own beliefs, okay? But enmeshment is that time in the family when everybody is focused on a united front, a united way of thinking. Another way that you see enmeshment, and I saw this a lot with, um, unfortunately, my friends whose parents were divorced, and this is also where um, boundaries are crossed, is when a parent looks to the child as a confidant, whether it's complaining about the child's other parent or just oversharing information that really the child does not need to know about adult problems, whether it's relationship problems, friendship problems. When the child is made a confidant and a friend, it kind of, again, removes the empowerment or their ability to not be that. And they kind of have to, in order to receive love and affection and acceptance, they have to go along with it. So to expect a child to say, hey, I really don't want to talk about this. I'm not comfortable with it. It's kind of a big ask. Now, they might show their discomfort in other ways, maybe by acting out, maybe by being anxious, different ways. But unfortunately, sometimes people don't pick up on it. And they do look at their children as confidants. So if you come from a situation where you knew all the details of your parents' relationship, like the nitty gritty, okay, there was a little bit of enmeshment going on. And where this becomes an issue as an adult is you don't all of a sudden wake up as an adult and think, well, I know how to stand on my own two feet as far as thoughts and decide what my standards and expectations will be. Because you've had to put your own desires on the back burner for the sake of fitting in with your family collective for so long that you've kind of lost the ability to connect with your intuitive self, to understand or to listen to your own intuition. Doesn't mean that you can't reconnect to it, but there's probably going to be a period where you have to really make the time and make a conscious effort to connect to that part of yourself because you've had to just die to your own needs. And I know that sounds dramatic. You've had to put your needs on the back burner, your emotional needs, your psychological needs, your relational needs for the sake of groupthink, for the sake of being a confidant to your parent, for the sake of being available to other people. And in doing so, your view of what your role is in relationships gets a little skewed. So you probably know where this is going. You are that much more likely to be a people pleaser. 
people pleasing is hard no matter what we're talking about. People pleasing is hard and detrimental when you are dealing with your family members. It's hard when you're dealing with friends. It's hard when you're dealing with partners. It's also very hard when you're dealing in work because if you are a people pleaser, it is going to be incredibly difficult for you to say no, even when something feels incredibly wrong. If you are so tied to, let's say like the mission of your company, um, your employer, if you're tied to the collective of your company. And, and I, again, I come from a background of working in public relations where your job is to represent the company. It gets very hard to understand where does the company end and I begin? Where does the company's standards and belief end and mine begin? And when do I have a right to exercise that distancing? So, you know, it's easy to say, okay, we're in the great resignation. I almost said great immigration, great resignation. I want to go out and I want to go look for a job. Let's say this is you, right? Okay. If you haven't looked at your people pleasing and how you respond to other people's expectations, I'm going to tell you right now that it doesn't matter how much you make. It doesn't matter what your title is. You are still going to have the same struggles until you get to the root of why. And more importantly, until you decide what your standards and expectations are for yourself. One of the ways I would recommend getting very clear on that is creating your own manifesto. And can I tell you, one of the most empowering things ever was when I recently was reading Set Boundaries, Find Peace, another book that I highly recommend. And the author... And I don't, I'm not saying her name because I don't want to butcher it and I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. But again, the book is Set Boundaries, Find Peace. But she talks about you being able to set your own standards, you deciding what your standards are for yourself and your relationships. And that can be with work, it can be with interpersonal relationships, any type of relationships. And I, I remember reading that on the plane where it was like, oh, I was headed home. I was headed home to South Carolina and thinking, wow, so I get to just decide what my standards are? Like, I can say, this is my standard and it's a no-go if you don't adhere to the standard? I was pretty blown away. But here's the thing. When you have not felt like you have a right to set your standards and your expectations for yourself, you're kind of starting at ground zero, maybe even a little less than ground zero because now you're going to have to extricate yourself from other people's expectations and the expectations that you've been living up to for so long, whether you want it to or not. So bringing this to work, um, one way you could ask is, you know, let's say somebody says, um, you know, I want you to work on this project and you are already at capacity, you don't have time. Well, you could, you could work on it, right? But that would mean that you will not have the evening to yourself. Now, this is something that I found myself doing a lot before. And that would be thinking that because I didn't have a family and I did not have a spouse, that I didn't have the right to say no to working beyond my nine to five hours. And granted, in my previous position, I really didn't have nine to five hours, but let's say I did, right? I didn't feel like I had a right to set a standard. I didn't have a right to set a boundary and say, you know what, just because I don't have plans tonight doesn't mean that I wanted to spend my time working on this thing that was just jumped in my lap. 
And when you have that feeling or when you decide, okay, this is my standard. And just because somebody comes to me at the last minute, end of day saying, hey, I want this. Can you do this? Doesn't mean I have to say yes. And here's the thing. This is tough. Like, can I just prepare you for if you have always gone by other people's expectations, if you have always operated out of what are their expectations? Am I going to let them down? Are they going to be mad at me? Am I going to get fired? Definitely had that thought before. If I, if I do not meet this expectation, you're going to have to really look at this and think, okay, is this actually something that I could get fired for? Like, okay, prime example. I had somebody come to me with an, an addendum for a client, okay? And they came to me at the end of the day, end of my day, and said, hey, you know, can we, could you maybe get this to me? And I, before I freaked out about, well, now I'm going to have to work on it tonight, I just said, when is the client expecting this? Because I interpreted the message as this was urgent, I asked, when does the client actually need this by? And they said, oh, they would like it today, but it, they, they'll probably be okay if they get it in two days, which by the way, that's a big discrepancy. Like today, end of day when it's already five versus in two days. And I said, okay, great. So this is on the top of my to-do list for tomorrow. We'll definitely make it a priority. But just asking that question for me was a huge step. Because I had always felt like if somebody brought something to me, they needed it right away. If they had any sense of urgency in their message, then I felt like I didn't have a choice. But now I get to set a standard and I get to set an expectation where, listen, just because I don't necessarily have plans tonight to go out to eat, to do anything, I don't have plans that involve someone else, doesn't mean that I don't have plans to take care of myself. For me, that looks like going for a two-hour walk if I can or making a nice dinner for myself. And I'm entitled to do that. That for me is a standard and an expectation. And for years, the only thing I allowed myself to have outside of work was I'm allowed to not do something if it means I can go to the gym. Which unfortunately, I mean, yes, there was a lot of stress, like um, stress release coming from my time at the gym. But sometimes it was also, I was going there to punish myself because, you know, oh, bad enough. I'm not getting the results I want at work. And now I'm not even the size I want to be. So it was still a negative cycle, but at least I had that time that I would create a boundary with. And that was the only one that I felt comfortable setting was that, okay, I'm not going to look at email until after I'm done working out in the morning, or I'm not going to respond to text messages while I'm working out. That was my only time, my only time that I allowed myself. And I will tell you, you still get very burnt out when that that is the situation. But the beauty of this, and when you understand where these this frustration towards other people's expectation is, one, again, tying it back to why does this bother me so much? Why am I so concerned with their expectation? And a lot of times it comes just down to, well, I don't want them to be disappointed in me. And then if you ask yourself, why do I care so much? Why are they disappointed in me? It's probably going to tie to another situation where you felt like you disappointed someone. Maybe a parent, maybe a partner, maybe just somebody that you valued a lot or that you looked up to. And when you take the time to go down that chain of questioning of yourself and why is this bothering me so much? Why do I feel so pressured by this expectation from this person or what I think their response will be? 
then you get to really, again, get to the root of it and realize that you're probably reacting more towards a wound from something that happened years ago than from a request from someone right now. It's usually not the request. Have you ever heard that saying, it's not what it's about? It's not about what it's about. Excuse me. Like this is, you see this all the time when couples have these like blow up fights over something small. It was not about that little thing. Maybe that little thing was like the the straw that broke the camel's back, but there was so much more going on than that one little thing. So it wasn't really about what it was about. Same thing with work, same thing with friendships. Now, and actually that just reminded me, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about, even though it does not relate to work per se, but I think is incredibly important to talk about is expectations from friends or setting the standard and boundaries with friends. One of your standards, and I'm going to tell you this because I hope it frees you like it freed me, is that you can tell a friend, you can tell a loved one that you do not want their advice. If you are telling them something about your day, something about work, something that's happened, and they launch into all the things you should do, you will definitely see this in families with enmeshment. Like, sorry to say, make this assumption, but like an overbearing mother who feels a need to tell you how to do things, even though you are 40 some years old and you don't need the, their opinion, you have a right to say, I don't want your opinion. I do not want your advice right now. I'm not asking for your advice. And I know some people would be like, well, that's very disrespectful. Well, I didn't say you had to cuss your mama out. But you do have a right to set a boundary. You do have a right to say, thank you for that. But I actually don't want your opinion right now. I was just telling you what's going on in my life right now. And is it going to be uncomfortable? Yes. I'm not going to lie to you. Especially if you've never set that boundary before. But here's the beauty of the people that love you. When you set that boundary, if they love you, they're going to test it a few more times, FYI, but they will in, they will learn to respect it. You have to be the one to decide, though, what that boundary is and what you will and will not take. Now, here's the thing. I, for the longest time, would get so frustrated about... Well, this is the way I am. And you hear people say that all the time. Like, well, it is, I am, this is just how I am. I am what I am. I can't change. I'm, you know, 20 years old. I'm 30 years old. I'm 50 years old. I'm never going to change. Well, here's the thing, my friends. Thanks to this very fancy term called neuroplasticity. I have to say that slowly because otherwise I'd probably lisp or stutter while saying it. You can actually change your operating, your standard mode of operation. You can change the way you think. I know, amazing, amazing concept, but you can. Just because your brain has made certain connections, like this request comes in from someone, it's going to set off my stress release or my stress response. Um, If I don't know how to handle it, I'm going to go numb in some way. I'm going to go eat. I'm going to go scroll on Instagram. Your brain has a certain chain of events that are going to happen every time something you get a stress response, okay? But just because you have done that your entire life, your brain does have the ability to learn a different mode of operation. A different chain of events can happen. You're going to have to work on it. You're going to have to be conscious of what you're doing. You're going to have to stop 
that chain of events that your brain just so easily goes to. But you can change it. Your brain can be rewired, not overnight. And it's not going to be one beautiful, perfect thought. If you, again, I think I referenced this in last week's episode. If you listen to my my conversation with Corinne Crabtree, we talk about it. I used to always want, what's one magical thought I can think and I will always be able to to change, you know, my mode of operation. I'll be, uh, big thing for me was when I haze eat. Now, haze eating is something that you do where I've done to numb, where I can be stressed about something and I will start eating something and I will get to the end of it. I will consume the entire thing. And I can't even tell you what I just tasted. I have no idea. I was not there. I was so checked out while eating. It was like I was in a haze. And I remember asking a coach once about that saying, well, how do I stop that? Like, I don't, like I get to the end and I feel like I don't even remember what happened. And they said, no, you do. You know, you have to stop in the middle. Okay, here's the thing. If you have, if you're like me and you've always had a habit of numbing through eating or doing haze eating, the likelihood of you stopping it mid-train probably slim to none at first. So you're going to have to sort of work backwards. As in, when you have a situation where you look up and an entire cake is gone, entire box of chocolates, entire bag of chips, and I ain't talking the personal size, because Lord knows I don't binge on a personal size, you're going to have to stop and say, okay, what was happening? What was happening before I engaged in that haze eating? What did I feel? Now, for me, there's a lot of times there is a physical feeling, like there's a knot in my stomach, a a lump in my throat. That doesn't mean in the moment I'm aware of it, but I can usually realize, oh, okay, I was feeling pretty stressed about this. And you know what's really interesting is sometimes I don't realize how stressed I am about something because I have become so good at numbing through other things that to me, I don't feel that stressed. I'm like, oh, that's kind of annoying. That's bothersome. But, and then I go about my business and do something else. Meanwhile, inside, all the stress responses are going, the, 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 the stress response is firing off in my brain. It's saying, oh man, oh man, this could be something bad. We need, to, we need to figure out a way to protect her because that's what your brain is doing. It's just trying to protect you. So if I have a situation, again, going back to work, if I have a situation at work where I'm a little bothered, but I, I don't want to think about it because I just have to focus on other things. Now I know that if not within the next few hours, definitely in that evening, I am probably going to be very prone to haze eating if I'm not careful. Because I'm pro- not procrastinating, but I'm sort of putting off the inevitable. At some point, my body is going to want to respond to that that stress. And it will do it the same way it's always done, which is to avoid it. Maybe I'm going to get sucked into the Instagram hole. Maybe I'm going to be sucked into eating something that I don't even notice when I'm eating. And I, I eat to a point where I feel sick. So now I know, okay, this is bothering me. And instead of just pushing through this situation, I need to actually sit here 
and think about how I feel. I need to think about the fact that I'm stressed right now. I need to think about the fact that I'm upset right now. Because if I don't, later tonight, I'm going to hazy. Later tonight, I'm going to numb in some way to cope with this. And again, if you are in a situation where you're looking for another job, maybe, oof, maybe you've decided during this time, this great resignation, that you want to be an entrepreneur. Maybe you want to be a coach. Maybe you want to start a business. Maybe you want to just start a side hustle that could hopefully become a full-time hustle or full-time business. Can I tell you that you are about to, if you're, if, especially if this is going to be an entrepreneur or side hustle, if you are the one deciding how your time is spent all the time, like you're not getting assignments, you are just doing it yourself, who you are going to notice some habits. Who you're going to notice that you numb in certain ways. I mean, it's basically like your own self-development course if you decide to do anything where you're not being directed by somebody else, okay? And I'm going to tell you right now, one of the first set of boundaries you're going to have to make is with your family. And then also your friends, because when you have something like I've noticed this, too, where I have to be incredibly intentional and protective of my time with the podcast, because I don't have to submit this to anyone. Like I have a a company, Fireside, if you haven't noticed in the show notes, that helps me with the show notes, that helps me with editing. I still have to do the bulk of the editing. I still have to do, you know, prep it for them to work on it. So I do technically have a due date, if you want to say that. But I can always just miss it and say, okay, well, I'll do all of it myself. I'll procrastinate on this. I'll put this off. If you don't have someone that you're accountable to, it is so easy to do that. And it's so easy to say, oh, so-and-so wanted to hang out today. So-and-so wanted to go get brunch. I'm going to do that instead. If And not prioritize what's important to you. Trust and believe, even if it's just a side hustle, there are going to be hundreds of ways for you to spend your time other than that side hustle. There's always going to be ample distractions. And you're going to have to do this work. You're going to have to look at yourself and wonder, okay, what is my manifesto? What are my standards and expectations? What are the things that are my non-negotiables? So even if technically I can put off working on my side hustle, I'm not going to. And even though my friend or my family member might say, but it's not work, like you don't have to do it. Why can't you be available to me? You've decided in this manifesto, nope, this is my priority. And come hell or high water, This is something that's on my schedule, just like if I was working nine to five and my boss was looking right at me. So I hope that this helps. I hope it planted some seeds as far as, again, where does enmeshment come from? Where does this stress of other people's expectations come from? Um, And, and I, One of the things that you're going to notice when you really start delving into why do certain people's expectations bother me so much is that you're going to start realizing they bother you because it's probably not in alignment with what you actually want for yourself. 
Maybe it's this person has a habit of overstepping boundaries, whether it's telling you things that you don't want to hear or you're not ready to hear, or it's asking more of you than you're actually willing to give if you were to take the time to be honest with yourself. That discomfort is telling you something. If somebody if somebody calls or texts you and you have a visceral response when you see their name pop up on your screen, okay, that is a sign that that's a good place for you to start. You need to ask yourself, why do you have this response every time you see their name? Why, if you have that response, do you still feel a need to respond to them. Because here's the thing, you wouldn't have that response if you didn't care whether or not you responded. Like, let's say, and I'll throw this back to back in the day when I was dating years ago. If I wasn't interested in a guy and he texts, I didn't care whether I I responded. Like, I might think twice about it later on, like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I, I don't want to be rude. I'll, I'll respond when I get to it. But I didn't prioritize it. And I didn't care whether or not I prioritized it. So. There was never this anxiousness where I would see their name come in and I would feel like, oh, I have to respond. Compare that to you have that person in your life, you see their name, and you automatically feel stressed. You automatically feel anxious. You automatically feel resentment. If those are the responses you get when you see that person's name, you are probably over-concerned with their expectations of you. And their expectations of you are not aligned with boundaries that you actually want to be in place. That is the first place you start. And you know what? Here's the thing. You don't have to set the boundary right away. Start by asking what it is that's bothering you so much. And you're going to find out what is not in alignment with your relationship with that person. Just start there. And if you do this, If you have that person, reach out to me. I want to hear. Tell me all about it. I can't wait to talk to you about it. I mean, not to gossip. I don't want to gossip. Let's not do that. I'm trying to, I don't want to do that anymore. Definitely have been prone to that. I'm not trying to gossip, but I mean, if you have that realization (laughs) that you have that response with someone, reach out. I just want to hear if you have an aha moment. And also, if you have not heard on the other, the most recent episodes, I am currently accepting applications for one-on-one coaching. And I say accepting applications because just because you might be interested in coaching does not mean that we might be the best fit. But I would love to have a conversation with you. I have a set application of questions that you would answer. And then we would go from there and have a discussion to see if it would be a good fit. But just so you know, the intention of this is it's a 12-week, one-hour-a-week program. It's essentially one-on-one coaching and helping you. If you've noticed in these last few episodes that there's something that stands out to you and you've thought, oh man, I'm dealing with that and I'm not really sure where to start and you want some accountability, then coaching would probably be a good place to start. (laughs) And listen, I am all for reading books and doing the work on yourself. I'm currently doing that with all the books that I'm reading, Set Boundaries, Find Peace, How to Do the Work, Conscious Loving. I cannot encourage you to read on your own, regardless of whether or not you have a coach. But if you feel that you need that extra accountability, that extra step, that that space every week to show up and talk about what you're learning and to also figure out what your next steps will be, 
reach out to me. You can email me at rosanna at breakinglabelspodcast.com. You can also DM me through the um, through my personal Instagram or the podcast Instagram. If you don't know already, both of those are going to be linked in the show notes below. And my personal Instagram is rosanna.e.gill. And the Breaking Labels podcast Instagram is, are you ready for this? Are you ready? Breaking Labels podcast. Because I like to keep things simple. And I can never forget that. All right. I hope this helps and I cannot wait to hear from you and see you next week.